Today on Let the Bible Speak. The world is changing today at a dizzying pace, but there are some things that will never change. We'll talk about some of those next. Good day to you. Thanks for joining me for Let the Bible Speak. It's good to be with you today to study the Word of God. Our nation and even our world is intoxicated with the excitement and appeal of change. Postmodernism has erased just about any lines that used to exist between right and wrong and truth and error. Modernity has rapidly ushered in the secularization of society and the breaking down of just about any social norm or tradition. We're seeing it everywhere we turn, culturally, politically, morally, even religiously. And while change is not a new thing, the pace with which it has transformed our world over the past century and even in just the last few years is truly dizzying. Philosophies, lifestyles, ideologies that sounded extreme and shocking and that we believed only represented the fringe of our civilized society are no longer shocking at all. They're commonplace. In fact, we have to wonder what could possibly be next. It is hard to imagine if time goes on much longer what our world will be like in just a few years from now if there's not some major correction. But there's a wonderful assurance in the Word of God that I want to remind you of today. James chapter 1 and verse 17 simply says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness neither shadow of turning. Now sometimes change is good. It's badly needed. Sometimes it improves our lives. But not all change is good. Change that leads to the abandonment of truth and morality isn't good at all. It's detrimental. The old song says, Time is filled with swift transition. Not of earth unmoved can stand. Build your hopes on things eternal and hold to God's unchanging hand. I like that phrase, build your hopes on things eternal, and I think that's the path to true peace. If you're placing your hopes on the modern culture, you're going to at some point be left very disappointed because nothing here remains the same for very long. But God's hand is unchanging, and I want to remind you of some unchanging things in this changing world in just a moment. Worthy of praise is Christ our Redeemer, worthy of glory.
We're talking today about unchanging things in a changing world, and one thing that has not changed is man's propensity to change. You know, the culture of the Greeks and of the ancient Roman Empire in many ways is much like our culture today. Now, they may have ridden in chariots instead of cars, but behaviorally and philosophically there's not a whole lot of difference. The things that Paul found and confronted on his missionary journeys are in many cases the same things in one form or another that we find in the world today. 2,000 years ago, Paul preached to the people of Athens, and the Bible says in Acts 17, verse 21, that they spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Well, that's much like people now. Everything is relative, and change is to be desired, but anything rooted in tradition or considered absolute is to be shunned and ridiculed. But while the world restlessly drifts from one philosophy to the next, and people bend their worldview so as to go with the ebb and flow of mainstream society, there are some things that haven't changed. They don't change, and they will never change. And thank God we can build our hopes on things eternal, and that we can rock, anchor our souls to the rock of ages. I want to begin by saying that God and His divine character are unchanging. Now, sometimes we reduce God to our own likeness. It's hard for us to conceive of a being that transcends time, no less one who is eternal. But the scriptures tell us that God is eternal, He is self-existent, and the Hebrew writer tells us that God is in Hebrews 11 and verse 6. Now some today would change that to say that God was. For example, some believe that God in ancient times is different from God today, or some say that the God of the Old Testament is different from the God of this age, the New Testament. But the making of a new covenant upon the fulfillment and passing away of an old covenant doesn't mean that God Himself has changed. The fact is He has not changed in His nature, His personality, or in His purposes. The problem with some of us is that, God, is that the God revealed in Scripture is contrary to the God that many want to believe in. And so they have tried to give God a makeover and transform Him into a being more suited to their liking. Paul said that the Gentiles did this long ago in Romans chapter 1. They didn't like what God had revealed to them. They didn't like being under God's authority and His control. And so Paul says they suppressed the truth in their unrighteousness because they didn't want to live the kind of lives that God expected them to live. And so he says they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man. Well, man is fickle and man changes. Man has typically been driven by the pursuit of pleasure and the glorification of self, and so humankind has attempted to create a God that allows them to do as they please and live like they want to live without guilt or impunity. The religious world has helped lead the charge, by the way, to change the way people see God. For example, no longer do we present Him as a God who hates and punishes sin and whose standard of righteousness is unchanging, a God who demands repentance of us who have sinned, but instead He has been characterized as a doting heavenly grandfather who lets us get by with our mischief or a cosmic bellhop who is there to do whatever we need Him to do in response to our occasional tips that we give Him. And it's considered completely out of place to believe in, much less preach about a God who is holy. That means set apart from sin and one who judges and punishes sinners. In other words, many have ignored God's holiness and His righteousness and they have turned Him into a pushover who 
just goes with the flow. Well, that's not the God characterized throughout the scriptures, let me assure you. And the Bible indeed tells us that God is love, according to 1 John 4 and verse 16. God is love. And make no mistake, God deeply loves His creation without exception. His compassion, His benevolence toward man is unfailing. But the scriptures tell us that there's more to the character and nature of God. He's also holy. Now, when you preach half the truth, what you end up doing is making that half-truth an untruth. You have to take all of the truth, and that's true in regard to God's nature. Yes, God is love, but you can pervert that truth by saying that He is only love. God is also perfect, and He is absolutely righteous, and that means He cannot countenance sin by His very own nature. Now, thankfully, His mercy and His love provided each of us with the vicarious sacrifice of His own Son, Jesus, so that we could be declared righteous through faith in Him and have access to God. But that doesn't change the fact that God detests sin and that God doesn't tolerate sin. He doesn't tolerate rebellion against what His Word says. You know, the Bible tells us that the Old Testament was written for our, we who live in the New Testament age, the Old Testament was written for our learning, Romans 15 verse 4. Well, the Old Testament gives us a very clear picture of God and His attitude towards sin as opposed to righteousness. Some, some people charge that God was a harsh, disciplinarian God in the Old Testament, but all of those stories are written to impress upon us, even today, how God views sin. That hasn't changed. The very death of God's own Son took place in part to show to mankind the awful penalty that sin exacts. Did you know God hasn't changed in that? Did you know the God who was angered by the disobedience and rebellion of His people thousands of years ago still gets angry when men trample His law underfoot today and splash through the blood of His Son. God hasn't changed. The only thing that has changed is that God's plan has now, in its revealed phase, it has provided us with a solution to sin. But the nature and character of God hasn't changed one bit. The Bible tells us in Romans 11 and verse 22 that we are to behold the goodness and severity of God on them which fell severity, but toward thee goodness, if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shalt be cut off. Paul there is warning the Gentiles who had come to know salvation in Christ not to do as the Israelites had done in their rejection of God's word, or else the love and mercy that had given them salvation could turn to the same kind of wrath that consumed God's wayward nation. Friend, don't buy into this modern packaging of God that says that God is some benign being who is too loving to punish sin. He will judge the world one day, the Bible says, and He's going to judge it by the righteous and absolute standard of His Word. He is the same God you read about in Genesis 1 verse 1 all the way to Revelation chapter 22. He has not changed. I'm very glad to know that I can depend on the God I read about in the Scriptures. Instead of my concept of Him changing from one time and one generation and one age to the next, man may change. His behavior, his attitude, his character all may change over time. God does not. God is not dead. God is not diminished in His power. He is not uh, diminished in His holiness. He has not abdicated His place as the creator and sovereign controller of this universe. And He has not forgotten what He has said in His Word. Remember, James said that in him there is no variableness or shadow of turning. 
James is saying that he is the God and ruler even of the sun and moon, and though the sun may rise and set and the moon may hide in the shadows of earth, God doesn't change. He is always the same. Now, second of all, the Word of God doesn't change either. One of the wonderful things about the Bible is the fact that it is old and new at the same time. By that I mean it may have been written down by inspiration of the Holy Spirit thousands of years ago, but it's as timely as this morning's newspaper. You can't say that about uh, the collection of men's writings down through the ages of time. And you know, if men would give the Bible half a chance and a semblance of a fair hearing, they might just come to see how relevant the Bible is today. I believe the Word of God has the ability to answer every moral and every spiritual question that mankind can ask today. Now, some people claim that modern man has outgrown the Bible, that in all of our learning and education and sophistication, at some point along the way, we left the Bible behind. Now, it's not, that the, it's not what the Scriptures teach that we're interested in in our modern time. It seems to be what the latest Gallup poll says or what society as a whole has decided about a particular matter. We've abandoned the Word of God. We no longer see it as having authority over our modern lives or being relevant to us in this age. We no longer allow the Bible to tell us the difference between right and wrong. And consequently, today, very few kinds of behavior are looked upon by the world as being wrong or sinful. It doesn't matter what the Bible says about it. We've justified everything from adultery to pornography to all types of sexual behavior, homosexuality, to drunkenness, to covetousness, to gluttony, to abortion, just about any other kind of behavior by simply dismissing the Bible and doing what is right in our own eyes. In fact, it seems like today there's just no such thing as sin. You can hardly name any kind of conduct that you won't find a group of people somewhere, including religious people, who won't defend and justify that practice and tell us that it's really not a sin. And they either twist the Scriptures to allow what is plainly condemned in the Scriptures, or they simply characterize the Word of God as outdated and irrelevant to modern life. Friend, the mind of God hasn't been changed any more than the character of God has changed. God's mind hasn't been changed about what is true and what is false, what's in keeping with His pure nature and what is not, what is right, what is wrong, what is righteous conduct and what is evil conduct, since it was written down by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. If Christ and His apostles taught that something was wrong, it's still wrong, regardless of what the Supreme Court or the latest opinion poll says. Peter declared in 1 Peter 1, verses 24 and 25, that the grass withereth and the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord abides or endureth forever. Jesus said that even heaven and earth would pass away, but His word will never pass away, Matthew 24, verse 35. You see, the Bible is still as relevant and as true as it ever was. The problem is men don't want to live by it. They've rejected it. Now stop and think about what that does to us as a society, what it can even do to the church. It makes everything subjective. It says there is no such thing as absolute truth, and that's the mantra of our time. But you see, when men reject any absolute and universal standard for truth, it creates as much chaos spiritually and morally as it would in society if we had no standards of weight and measurement. Could you imagine trying to function as a society if we had no set standard to weigh things by or measure things by? What if we had no official rules for language or grammar or mathematics? What if everything were left up to every individual to determine for his or herself? Surely you can see what confusion and chaos would result from that. 
Well, why is it that we refuse then to accept an absolute and unchanging standard when it comes to right and wrong or when it comes to ethical, moral, and religious issues? Friends, can't you see that's why the world is in the chaotic shape that it seems to be in today? And furthermore, why religion is in the mess that it is in today? Because it's become a free-for-all. Because we've rejected the Bible as the one source of absolute truth. Take some time and read the book of Judges if you haven't done that lately. The key phrase that appears repeatedly is, In those days there was no king in Israel, and every man did what was right in his own eyes. And you read the stories of that period of time and see what a state of anarchy, chaos, confusion, and evil reigned even among the people of God at that time. Friend, the Word of God is unchanging. It remains today despite the thousands of years that have passed since it was written, and it warns us that one day our lives are going to be judged by what appears on its sacred pages. We're not going to be judged by what the President says, what Congress says, what the Supreme Court says, what the uh, teacher at school may say, or any other person that we might look to as an influence in our society or in our life. It's the Word of God that's going to judge us, Jesus said in John 12, 48, and that standard is unchanging. Now again, I for one am glad that I have a Bible to turn to today, and I'm glad that my spiritual and moral views don't have to be constantly reshaped because of the fact that the world changes from one day and one year and one generation to the next. The Word of God is an unchanging thing, and you can tether your soul to it in these changing and perilous times, and I urge you to do that. Number three, the Lord's church is an unchanging thing. You know, the church is an ancient institution. We read of its beginning in Acts the second chapter. The events of that chapter took place on a Sunday morning in Jerusalem nearly 2,000 years ago. And did you know that in the eyes of God, that institution that started back there so long ago still exists? And in the eyes and the mind of God, it hasn't changed. Christ Jesus built it just like He planned it and intends for it to be. Now the Bible says we have received a kingdom that can't be moved, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 28. It's an everlasting kingdom. And Jesus taught that the unchanging Word of God is the seed of that kingdom. In other words, it is constantly being reproduced in its original form every time the gospel of the New Testament is preached and obeyed. Now, if you preach something besides the gospel, it'll produce something besides a New Testament Christian. And that's why we have so much confusion in the religious world today. But there's something thrilling about all this to me. It is an awesome thing to turn over to the book of Acts and read about the church that Jesus established 2,000 years ago when He ascended back to heaven, and to know that I'm a member today of that same spiritual organism. It's humbling to know every time I come together with other Christians on the Lord's Day to break bread, Acts 20 and 7, to know that I'm keeping a divinely given tradition that was established two millennia ago, and that has taken place every Sunday somewhere, someplace since that time. Friends, based on what the Bible tells us about the church of the first century, I believe with all of my heart that I'm a member of that same church. And what I will do today when I gather with fellow disciples, God willing, is in strict keeping with the pattern established by Christ and His apostles 2,000 years ago. That's my plea, that's my goal, that's my aim, that's my desire, and I hope it is yours too. By using only the Scriptures as our guide and our authority, we can know exactly what they preached, how they lived, how they worshipped under the auspices of the apostles. And if we can know how they worshipped, then I can, in following that pattern and example, be the same thing that they were. The Lord's Church is an unchanging institution.
The problem is today too many people are ignoring that pattern. They tell us the church needs to evolve and stay up with the times and as a result we have more churches and denominations that you can count and one is as different from the next as daylight and dark. That's because people aren't looking to the early church as a paradigm. They see the church as an ever-evolving thing. But here's my question. When the Word of God and the Word of God alone is not seen as a pattern and, an, and the authority for His people in every age, well, how far do you go? How far can you drift? How much can you change and still be the church of Christ in faith and practice? Jude said the faith was once and for all delivered to the saints, Jude verse 3, and that we are to contend for that faith. The church that Jesus established is an unchanging thing. Governments change over the years. Nations may rise and fall. Societies may crumble. But there is one institution in this world you can count on to be the same, and that is the true church that Jesus built. Are you a member of that church that you read about in the Bible? Or are you part of a religious organization that gets its doctrine from whatever the thinking of the day happens to be? And finally, I'm very glad to tell you that the Lord's promises are unchanging. In a very unstable, sometimes frightening, in a very uncertain world, the Lord's promises are sure. He's not abdicated His throne. He has not lost His ability to fulfill His word. He's not forgotten His word. Two thousand years ago, our Lord left this old world. He gathered with His small band of disciples on Olive's brow and with the clouds as His chariot and the winds as His steeds. He was taken off to glory. But he left with a promise. As the disciples stood there gazing up into the heavens as a cloud received Jesus out of their sight, the angel told those disciples as he went away that one day they would see him return in the same manner. And every eye will one day behold that event, the book of Revelation tells us. And I still believe that promise. I believe that one of these days the Lord is coming again. I know there are plenty of folks who make fun of that and they're proving the Bible to be true right now by scoffing at and mocking the promise of Jesus. Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 3 that in the last days there would be those who would scoff and say, where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. In other words, if He were really coming again, He would have been here long before now. But Peter goes on to say that a thousand years is like one day with the Lord. And friend, His promise remains. Like a thief in the night, He will come back one day. He will split the eastern sky. He will return. This world will stand in judgment. We live in uncertain and in some respects bizarre times. What tomorrow holds is anyone's guess. We don't know what the future holds, but we do know who holds the future. I do know that one of these days the Lord is coming back and He will end it all. One of these hours the eastern sky will split, the angel will place one foot on the land and one foot upon the sea and declare that time is no more. I'm certain about that. And I'm also certain that if you're not making ready for it, you're making a very foolish mistake. The Lord's promises stand sure. His immutable promise is an unchanging thing in this ever-changing world. Won't you place your hand in His unchanging hand? There are times when
Perhaps you would like a free printed copy of today's sermon. We'll be glad to send it to you, and it's free. That's the case with anything we ever offer here on the program. If you'd like a free printed transcript of the sermon today, get in touch with us and ask for the lesson, Unchanging Things in a Changing World. We'll get that on the way as soon as we can. We're so glad you've joined us today. We hope you'll make your plans to join us back next time for another Bible study together and encourage someone else to do the same. In the meantime, we're on uh, online, ltbstv.org, and we're on social media, and we have a podcast, so just search for Let the Bible Speak TV on the various platforms and follow us that way. We hope that you'll join us next week. Until then, I pray the Lord will keep you safe and well, and may He richly bless you until we meet again. Have a great week ahead. Let the Bible Speak is brought to you by The Church of Christ. For more information, including our past broadcast and sermon transcripts, visit ltbstv.org. Thanks for being with us today. Join us next time for Let the Bible Speak.